It's great to see everybody today. You heard my woman voice there for a second? Good old Stacy trying to get up there quick. Hey, we want to welcome you here to Crosstown. If you've not been here before, you, you, there's an apprehension that goes with going into a building that's shaped like this, rooms where it's dark and, and all the different things that go on. And I think sometimes in the Bible Belt, we think everybody knows what it's like to walk into a church. So let me just tell you what it's going to be about today. It's going to be about grace and peace. The Apostle Paul started every one of his epistles with this salutation. He said, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It means, like, relax. God's got nothing but great intentions for your life today. Though things may be done a little bit differently than maybe at your church or at home or what you thought church was going to be about, that today that God wants to speak peace into your life. He wants to give you hope today through his spirit. We're in the middle of a series called Living in Common in an Uncommon Kind of Way. And I think we've all experienced, whether you've been married for you know, decades or you're dating or whatever relationship that you're in at work or uh, in your family, we know that relationships are tough. We know it's difficult. And we know what it looks like when a common marriage is lived out. We know what it looks like when how most human beings on the planet do work, how they operate in certain environments and families and all the problems and relational stress that occurs. But God wants us to experience something uncommon as we live in common. He wants something different to happen in our lives. So we've been using Romans 12, verse 2, to talk about this idea on how God wants us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. In other words, that God wants, us to, wants to empower every one of us to live with something uncommon. Not to just live life under the, the banner of, well, this is the way my family did it in the past, or how about this one? This is the way they do it up north. I mean, we just, we, we don't care, and I'm from the north. We don't care how you did it up north. But what we want is to experience something uncommon. A dad that isn't just like his dad, but rather has something from God that transforms him into something different. Something different about every woman that is here, every young person that is here, the way that we relate. So today, as we're, this is our small group kickoff week, we, we realize that when we talk about small groups, you know, it's something that every church in America does that's trying to help people become learners, lovers, and leaders in their relationship with Christ and in the world around them. And that's our vision statement as well. But we also know that living Doing life together, following after God, is an uncommon pursuit. And pulling it off sometimes is just plain frightening. So Stacy's going to share with us today about how God can help us dare. You know, and, and, and we could give you all the scriptures in the world on the why you should do this. But I think a lot of us are in that place where... You know, okay, you can give me a hundred whys I should be in relationship with other people, but yet we go home to the solitude of our own apartments or our own homes, our own lives. I think there's a component that, that God's going to speak to us through Stacy about overcoming the fear uh, of being in relationship with people. What if they find out about me? What if they know about me? What do I have to offer? What if, what if I don't have anything to offer? But I think... We're going to challenge those very common responses 
with something uncommon. So let me encourage you to keep your heart open to maybe an idea that God wants to do something uncommon so that we can live in common. Thank you so much. And um, as Pastor Paul said, my name is Stacy McLean. My husband Chris and I um, have been calling Crosstown home now for probably almost 16 years. So it's always a, a joy to be able to come and to share with you guys. And um, as he said, we are in the middle of this series, this uncommon, in common idea. And today we are going to be looking at what it looks like to live uncommonly in common community. And when we talk about community today, we're talking about the community of this church and the life of this church and really the heart and the life and the community of this church. It's our 3L small groups. And so if you know as you walked in today, there are a lot of tables and balloons and all kinds of people um, moving around. And those are our small group leaders who have been preparing for this day for several weeks in putting their tables together and praying about their groups and what God's calling them to do. And so today, I want to just kind of encourage you. I'm not up here to try and sell you in small groups. That's not my job today. I'm not a salesman, um, and I'm not going to sell you on small groups. I'm an ambassador for Christ. And so my my objective today, like Pastor Paul was saying, my objective today is to look at what Scripture says about it, maybe address some of the reasons that we are not likely to join small groups, and then share some personal experiences of some of the impacts that our small groups have had in the lives of other people. And so that's kind of where we're going to be. I'm not doing anything fancy or tricky today. I just kind of want to tell you that's where we are. And so our theme verse for this entire series is Romans 12. So I want you, if you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Romans 12. We're going to read that together again. Um, if you don't have your Bibles and you have our app, you can open it and you can click on that banner that says Uncommon In Common, and then it'll show you the notes, um, but it also has a little highlight on there for Bible, and you can click that and it'll take you straight to an online Bible. So we encourage you guys to do that and follow along. The main reason I share that with you is because I don't want you to take my word for anything. I want you to see I'm just, I'm just an ambassador. I'm just showing you what's already there. So let's take a look at this verse, uh, Romans 12. The Apostle Paul is writing and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There's so many things in that verse that we can talk about. But one of the first things that really jumps off to me when I'm reading it is that by doing this, the renewal of your mind, you can test and discern what the will of God is. And I'll be honest, I don't think there's anyone who showed up this morning who's like, Nah, I don't really care what the will of God is. I'm not really interested. Even if you aren't so sure about this whole church thing, you're not sure about Christians, and you're kind of just here to check us out, I think if, if that's where you are, you still would want to know what is the will of God. If there was a surefire way to figure out what the will of God is, I think most of us would want to test that out. We would want to try that out. And so today, that's what we're going to be talking about is He's telling us how to do that. And the way the Apostle Paul says it is by not conforming to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And when I read that, 
I'm a word nerd. If you guys have heard me speak before, you know I say that. I'm a word nerd. So I started looking at that. What does it mean, don't be conformed, but transformed? Because to me, in common vernacular, I'm like, conform, transform. It's kind of similar words. So what does it really mean? What's the difference between this idea of conforming to the world and then being transformed by the renewal of your mind? And so really to get the full context of what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us. This is one of the reasons I love him so much is because he then, a few verses later, tells me exactly what it looks like to live a transformed life by the renewal of my mind through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm a practical girl, so I need you to tell me this is what it looks like because I love that idea of being transformed, but I want to know what the end product is going to be. And so if you go ahead a few verses in uh, this chapter in Romans, he starts telling us what are some of the characteristics of a transformed life. And he says things like, let your love be genuine. Outdo one another in showing honor. Be patient in tribulation. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice in hope. Live in harmony. Weep with those who weep. Seek to show hospitality. Those are some very specific things that I can ask myself, is that occurring in my life? And if you're like me, though, you read that list and you think, okay, there's some on that no problem. Seek to show hospitality. Man, I got that. I love having people over to my house. That's an easy, that's a real common thing for me. It's natural for me. Um, bless those who persecute me. Uh, nope, that one doesn't come so easy. I'm just going to pretend that one's not in there. But the reality is we don't get to choose. If I am being transformed by the renewal of my mind, I don't get to choose which ones of those I want to do and which ones I don't. Because the truth is, it's not me doing it. It's the transformation that's occurring that is allowing me to bless those who persecute me, to outdo one another in showing honor. Those are the things that are beyond me. And so when I started studying this and looking at it and looking at really what does it mean how can I be transformed versus conform? Because the only way I'm going to be able to bless those who persecute me is because it is not of my doing. And so as I was studying, I came across this um, quote about the difference between conform and transform. And it says, conform refers to a posture or attitude that may be changed at will, whereas the form at the heart of transformed refers to what grows out of necessity from an inward condition. See, if we are conformed, then that is a common response because our attitude changes at will based on what's going on around us. I conform all the time with things. When my kids have no homework and we don't have sports activities in the afternoon, I have conformed to have a really good attitude that day because the things around me are not crazy and chaotic. When they forget to do their homework, my HelloFresh box didn't show up so I can't cook my dinner and I have to have my son at practice and I have to sit in traffic for an hour, I can conform to a really bad attitude and be a not very nice mom. But what I want to do is be renewed by my mind from an inward condition that has occurred. And scripture tells us that when we surrender our lives to Christ, when we say, here it is, God, this is what we're doing. We're surrendering to you. We're submitting to your, to your rule in our lives. Then he gives us the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. And that inward condition of my heart is what can 
transform me on a random Monday afternoon when everything is falling apart and I can still respond by outdoing, by showing honor to my kids and loving my kids through the chaos of that day. That's really the crux of it. And that's what we're going to be looking at today is how do we get to that idea of having that transformation occur in our lives? Because I think for a lot of us, we come to church on a Sunday morning, and I'm not, I'm not downing that or trying to make you feel guilty if that's where you've been. Say maybe for the last year, you've been coming to Crosstown faithfully on a Sunday morning. Praise God for that. I hope that you have experienced some authenticity, some transparency, some real relationships. But for a lot of us, we come in right as that first worship song starts, and as soon as expression starts, we are out the door because we don't really want to interact. We're, we're a little bit afraid of risking that um, place of vulnerability. What, like Pastor Paul said, what if they get to know me? What if they find this out? What if, what if I get exposed? And what I want to encourage you is that's exactly where God wants us to be. He wants us to risk being vulnerable so he can show us what it's like to live uncommon in community with others who are growing in Christ. That's where we are. For a lot of us, what we settle for is what I call movie trailer Christianity. You know, you watch movie trailers. I don't know if you guys are like us, but we watch movie trailers to figure out which movie we're going to watch on a Saturday night. So we watch like 10 different trailers. And I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good. Yeah, I think that'll be a good movie. But I never commit to actually watching the whole movie. And I think when we come on Sunday mornings, that's kind of a movie trailer Christianity. We're going to get to see this is a movie trailer. This is to show you, to invite you to take the next step. And I think God's asking us today for some of us who have been afraid to do that in the past, to move past just watching the trailer, step into seeing the entire show. Yeah, it's going to cost you a little bit. It's going to cost you to transform instead of conform. It's going to require that you do something uncommon, something different. But I can promise you that cost is worth it every single time. So I want to encourage you to do that as we think about what it looks like to, to surrender our lives to Christ, to choose that uncommon path, to allow that transformation to occur, to allow our minds to be renewed. And so as we were thinking about this, you know, we talked about some of the things that happens when we are in small groups, why we wouldn't want to join small groups. And I think some of us don't get connected in small groups simply because we are afraid. Like Pastor Paul said, I think we get afraid. And I understand that, but guess what? Fear is a liar. And so if that is the number one reason that you have not connected in a small group because you're afraid of whatever your fear is, that's not a good enough reason. That's actually a lie. And so don't believe that lie anymore. Don't allow your mind to be conformed, but allow the Holy Spirit to transform you to move past that. Some of us don't join small groups because we think that there are a bunch of weirdos in small groups. You know, I'm not getting involved because those people are weird. Guess what? So are you. So am I. I'm saying that in love. We're weird. Just this week, like two or three times, People I love looked at me and just said, you know, you're weird. And I was like, I, yeah, I know. My husband and I were out for a run, and he is on the left side of me. I said, what are you doing? You can't run on the left side of me. You have to run on the right side of me. And he was like, what are you talking about? I said, I, I just can't have people running. If I'm running, you got to be on my right. He's like, you're just weird. I know. We're all weird. Let's just be weird together and accept that your weirdness and my weirdness 
we're just going to overlook it, okay? And maybe you'll help me get rid of mine. I, I don't know. Um, and then some of us, I think, don't join small groups because we think, you know, I, I don't really need anything. I mean, I'm, I'm successful. I've got a good job. got a pretty good family. You know, my life's going pretty well. Again, what I want to say is that's a lie. If you are there and you don't think you really need anything from a small group, you're the one that needs to be there every single week because we have people who have real needs. We're all in need of something. We're all in need of love. We're all in need of mercy. We're all in need of compassion, forgiveness, acceptance. And so if you feel like, now I don't really need anything, then please come because actually the author of Hebrews tells us what to do. If we don't have any needs, this is what he says for us to do. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Remember, Romans 12, 1 says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, as your spiritual worship. So if you're someone here who has resisted small groups because you don't need anything, I want to encourage you. Think about what you have to share. Think about what you have to offer. If you're a successful businesswoman or businessman and you have done really well in your career, maybe there's someone who's struggling in their career who could really use some encouragement from someone who has had a really good run in their career. Think about what you bring to the table and what you can offer. We need to allow ourselves to conform not to be conformed, but to be transformed by our attitudes and change our mind. And the only way we can really do this is the difference between conforming and transforming. It's that idea of a personal commitment. Just like I said earlier, you're going to have to kind of decide you want to buy the ticket to see the whole movie. You've got to make that commitment. But for a lot of us, we think that personal commitment is going to get us through. Like all I'm going to do is, okay, this time today I'm signing up for a small group and I'm going to commit to that small group and I'm just going to do it. The truth is, if that's all you bring to the table is just, a, just that commitment, probably after a couple of weeks, something else is going to change your mind or your attitude, and you're not going to continue. That, I was listening to a statistic, and they said the average diet lasts one week. One week. We commit to a diet for about one week. I, I'm lucky if I make it more than like from breakfast to lunch. Honestly, by the time lunch rolls around, I'm like, diet, nah, I'm good, I'm hungry. But I, I think, you know, a lot of us come with that attitude of, I'm just going to make a commitment to do it. And I think that's a good starting place. Again, I'm not beating that up. But what I want to encourage you today is personal commitment plus God's power. That's where transformation comes. It's your personal commitment. Okay, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to put this first. I'm going to make this a priority. And then I'm going to allow the power of God to transform me through the renewal of my mind so that... I can begin to respond uncommonly and walk in common in community with those around us. So we're going to take a look at what the Apostle Paul, how he describes this. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a group of people who have given their life to Christ and now they're facing a lot of opposition. So they've, had, they've experienced a lot of loss. Now the Apostle Paul is not with them anymore and they're beginning to conform to the world around them. They're beginning to waver in what they knew to be true. And isn't that true of all of us? Don't you think when we are faced with opposition, when we're faced with challenges, that a lot of us begin to waver like, was that real? Were those people at church really going to be my friend? Or were they just saying that because they had to? 
Or, or is it real? Do they really care about me? I think a lot of us waver in that. And the Apostle Paul, along with uh, two of his friends that he did ministry with, he's writing this letter to these people and he's saying, listen, I want you to hear and see what it looks like to live a transformed life, to live a life that is uncommon. He's encouraging them to respond in an uncommon way to what's going on around them. And I think if any of us are here today and we have suffered loss or we're in the middle of a season of life that is challenging or difficult for us, I think if any of us got this letter in the mail, I think it would be an encouragement to us. So I want you to hear this. It's out of 1 Thessalonians 2. And I'll tell you, earlier this week when Pastor Paul and I were talking about this specific message and what I was going to be sharing, he and I are kind of going back and forth with ideas and we're sharing ideas. And then all of a sudden this verse emerged out of our conversation and both of us were like, oh my goodness, what is that? I mean, you guys, I've read First and Second Thessalonians. I actually did like a 10-week Bible study on it, in-depth Bible study on it. And I would tell you, I'd never heard this verse before in my life until this week. And I was like, that is what I want. That is what our small group leaders desire. These women and men who are leading our small groups, this is their heart to you. So if you are here and you're wondering what the ulterior motive is of our small groups, I'm going to reveal it to you because we don't want to hide anything and we're not trying to sell you anything. We simply want to tell you. So I want you to listen to this language of the Apostle Paul writing this letter in 1 Thessalonians, starting in verse 1. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. They had a boldness to demonstrate the gospel of God amidst much conflict. That is an uncommon response. That is not common. That's the transformation. So being, this is my, my favorite part, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. Do you hear that language? Do you hear how the Apostle Paul is saying to them, look, I know outside around us, there is conflict, there is suffering, there is pain, there is loss. But we are responding in an uncommon way because we have chosen to partner with the Holy Spirit. We have chosen to walk with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is where personal commitment plus Holy Spirit empowerment comes into play. That's how the Apostle Paul can write a letter to this group of people and telling them he is, I mean, listen to this, so affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. The way he is able to do that is through a personal commitment and a Holy Spirit empowerment. And so for some of us today, that is where we are, and that's what God's calling us to do. See, we make that commitment, but what I want to encourage you is to take it one step further. Don't just to commit to small groups because you feel like it's the right thing to do. If you don't have a desire to join a small group, I want to encourage you, ask God. God, give me a desire to desire small group. Because the reason that most of us don't want to take that step 
is because we're afraid, we're uncomfortable, we're unsure. What if I don't fit in? What if it doesn't work? But what we are called to do is to be transformed by the renewal of our mind so that we may test and discern what is the will of God that is good, that is pleasing, that is acceptable. He's saying, test it out. Come, commit, and then allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does. Because I'm telling you, he does amazing things. Just this morning, I was talking to two of our small group leaders who have never led a small group at Crosstown before. This is their first time, and I was so excited to talk to them. And do you know, as they were talking this morning, and I think Pastor Paul went over and talked to him, they were like, he said, you know, you guys should think about doing a book. And they said, yeah, we're going to. And he's like, you should do this book, Whisper. They said, that's the very book we're doing. You guys, that's personal commitment plus Holy Spirit empowerment. We cannot work hard enough at a program to have that kind of result. That's where we commit, and then we say, Holy Spirit, you do what only you can do, and you see that connection. That is affirmation and confirmation for those ladies that what they're doing is honoring to what God's called them to do. And so... You know, when I, when I think about that, I get so encouraged as I hear that story and I hear other stories. Just this past week, um, I've heard so many stories about our small groups that are connected in the lives of those members, that they are sharing life together. And I know some of us think, man, I don't know about sharing my life with other people. I don't really want to share my life with other people. Again, I want to encourage you, stop settling for a movie trailer when you can see the whole story. Just this past week, my family had the opportunity to share our life with another um, person here from church. She is in the middle of a transition and a move, and she packed her whole apartment on Monday and was going to get in her car and drive back to Atlanta, and unfortunately due to work, she found herself with no place to live because her apartment was gone and she still had to be here all week for work. So we were like, well, just stay with us. It'll be fine. So we got the, to share our life with her. Now, okay, yeah, it got a little messy when I'm up at 6.30 in this morning and I don't have all my coffee yet and we're interacting. It might have been a little messy, you know? And at night she saw me sitting on the couch with dog hair all over me. That is part of sharing my life with her. But you know what? Overall, there was joy this week when we got to share life together. There was, there was absolute joy this week when we got to walk out life together with one another. And it allowed me to continue to be reminded how dear her friendship is to me. And she's just a young woman that I met a couple of years ago who was courageous enough to email me, didn't know me. She just emailed me and said, hey, would you meet me for coffee? And I said, yeah, sure, let's meet for coffee. And the Lord through our commitment and the Holy Spirit empowerment has blessed that relationship. That's just one of many examples. I heard earlier this week about someone who was really, really sick and her small group that's not even still meeting right now got together and did a meal train for her and reached out to her. There are other stories that I've heard this week of people who are struggling financially, people who are struggling relationally, and their small groups have rallied around them, have prayed for them, have encouraged them. And so if you're sitting here today and, you, and everything inside of you wants to run out that door as soon as we start singing this last song, I want to encourage you, slow down and sit in the moment just, just for a few minutes and ask God what he's up to. One of the stories that really um, impacted me the most was one that I heard about a young lady this week. And she and her husband are facing a very difficult situation. Um, their family structure, as they know it, is very likely being threatened. And her family dynamics will change dramatically. Her and her husband also are facing the loss of their job. 
This has nothing to do with a moral failure on their part at all. Um, it's circumstances that are beyond them. But because they choose an uncommon response, because they are choosing to commit to the plan and the process of God and allow his Holy Spirit to empower them, her response is, but you know what? If this part of my life, if this story can help someone else, that's where I want to be. That is what God's inviting you to this morning. So as Pastor Paul comes up and he starts to lead us in expressions, and I know for some of us, this is the moment where we're like, okay, great, I'm going to get my kids. I'm walking out the back door. I want to ask you, as he sets us up during this moment of expressions, choose today to buy the ticket to the movie, to watch the entire redemptive story unfold from beginning to end, because God wants you to know he wants to meet you where you are. He loves you. There's a, a story, and you wonder why it's in the Bible, but when the disciples are fighting with each other about who's going to be the greatest one of them, and, and Jesus hears them having this conversation about, well, I'm so much better than you. I am so committed. I, I would be with Jesus even to the point of death. And they're, and they're having this incredible conversation about, you know, who's really committed to the Jesus story. Well, then Jesus is brought to the cross, and as he's on the cross, he looks out, and out of the whole group, there's like maybe just one of them that is still there. Because all the commitment in the world, no matter how religious and morally right we may be or not be, it, it really doesn't produce the result that God wants. But then after the death of Christ and after his resurrection, the same group of 12 men and 200 others gathered in an upper room. And they were scared to death but they decided that they would gather together. And there the Holy Spirit of God came on them and they were no longer intimidated of the threat of death or any adversity in their life. They were willing to go up whatever it took. But I think it's really important what Stacy said to us. We can, commit, we can commit all day long like the disciples. Lord, I'm gonna be with you no matter what happens. But if that's all we got, yeah, in about three weeks, we're going to run. When things get tough, we're going to run. When things get messy, we're going to run. When things get boring, we're going to run. But there's something about that empowerment of the Holy Spirit that transforms our own personal demands and our expectations of what this group of people, whether this church, this marriage, this family is supposed to do for me that it begins to change when the Holy Spirit begins to rise us from the dead and begins to implant in us an uncommon result to relationships. So as we celebrate the Lord's Supper and we come together, isn't it funny? Jesus didn't do this whole taking bread, taking the cup all by himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, but rather he invited people to have this dinner with him, a sacred dinner. And here's the thing, he brought uncommitted people to that dinner. He brought Judas to that dinner. So it doesn't matter who you are when you're invited to the dinner. He wants to invite every one of us to that table. And there, he wants to give us his spirit so that we can understand how to live in relationship with each other. Heavenly Fathers, we enter into this, this moment. We pray that you would help us 
to be transformed with the thoughts of the uncommon, that Jesus was risen from the dead, not just to show off your power over death, but rather to communicate to us that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead can dwell richly in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our diversity, in our, in our churches, in our small groups, that we can experience the empowerment of the uncommon so that we can live in common. So Father, whether it's through communion, whether in this moment it's a time where we give our offering or it's a time where we take a piece of paper and pin it to the cross that reflects an inward expression of our hearts that we, we just say something from our hearts to you. Or maybe it's in a moment of prayer with one of the pastors. Or maybe we just sit in our seat and we just open ourselves to the possibility, what if, what if I dared to ask God to fill me with the Spirit, is it possible that I could experience something uncommon in this common world? So Father, move in our lives in this moment. Do something uncommon as we present our lives to you.